Hey, Steve. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Alt Protein Weekly. How's it going? How was the Plant-Based World Expo? It was good. Things are going good. It was an interesting expo. Um, I think really quickly, just to share some highlights. Um, I, I talked to you a little bit about some of this, but I, I think um, it'd be interesting for our listeners to hear. So this is this is the third plant-based world expo that I've been to. I went to the original one in 2019. It stopped a little while for COVID, went to the second one last year and the third one this year. So I have some, some uh, comparisons that can be made, but I think the biggest takeaway for me was that the hype is... It, it, the hype was gone this year, not to say that it was a negative environment, but it was not an overinflated um, expectations environment. And I was surprised last year that even in 2022, September of 2022, um, the market had changed considerably, but it didn't feel like it at that expo last year. There were a lot of huge displays and companies that you would think that are just the next beyond meats and impossibles of the world. Um, and this year, the displays were more reasonable. There was a bunch of companies that actually weren't there that were there last year. Some um, decided not to go and others aren't around anymore. So uh, that was obvious. And there were, the discussions were around path to profitability, um, really understanding the consumer, how do we shift the discussion in, in, the, in the marketplace, et cetera. So um, I, I really think that that's important. Um, and then... Only other one one tidbit that I didn't mention to you yet when, when we spoke earlier, but um, there were a couple of biomass companies there. So biomass meaning like mycelium uh, or, or mushroom root companies. There were a few that were there and I won't, I won't call them out, but I was surprised that they kind of just blended in to the expo. Um, there was, there were, there were three that I knew of that were there and you would have thought they were just another plant-based company. And I really hope that that whole space, the whole biomass fermentation space is able to position themselves differently because you are not plant-based and there's a lot of really strong um, positive aspects of your products that plant-based doesn't have. It's super high protein, really high fiber, um, it's relatively unprocessed too, which is a really good thing for consumers. So um, I was surprised to see them there, but not really highlighting those differences in a meaningful way. But overall, it was great. Love seeing people. Saw people from um, all over the world and the country. And uh, I, I love meeting up in person with people. Yeah, um, super interesting. Well, it sounds like they may need to change the name of the show then if if we're widening. I mean, I wonder if shows like this would eventually have cultivated meat um, present. Mm. Um, what I heard from other folks that were there and shared their thoughts with me was that um, there weren't as many of the big marquee brands there. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot more things like private label or B2B players. Um, so maybe just part of the hype is also like m less maybe big marketing spends um that were maybe free flowing last year and are less free flowing now absolutely that, that's that's definitely true um yeah there were no big marquee companies that were marketing there i mean you had some some of the bigger but like more old school ones like tofurkey was there but not impossible beyond i didn't see wicked this year um there's just a bunch of them that really weren't 
that were there and prominent in prior years, but not not there this year. Super interesting. Well, on the plant-based theme, our big story this week is a little bit personal to me because a lot of people don't know, but I'm actually half French and I grew up in a very French environment. Um, I have a French passport and obviously I speak French, went to a French school and I ate a lot of French classic foods when I was growing up. And one of my special, you know, favorites, which is not that special if you're French, um, is something called a jambon beurre, which is literally translated to mean ham butter, but it refers to a, a ham, a, a smoked French ham, French butter and baguette sandwich that you get in every boulangerie bakery in, in France. And it's a, it's a really, really common um, French lunch um, to such an extent that just like Americans have a Big Mac index, in France, we have a jambon beurre index. Um, and I think in our reporting, we we found out that, you know, there are over 1.2 billion jambon beurre sandwiches sold every day. Um, sorry, every year in France. So it's 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 a really big deal. It's a very traditional, typical French lunch and French dish. And the French startup La Vie, which has made waves um, for their cheeky marketing and for their bacon that is available in France and um, in the UK and also famously um, is on the Burger King Europe plant-based burgers. Um, they launched a ham, a proper European, I would say French style ham in a plain and smoked flavor. And I actually got to try this ham secretly on the DL with the founder Nicola at the Hack Summit. Of course um, you did. You always get to try things secretly. <laughs> Not as much as I want to, but this was very special and I was blown away and I was so impressed um, that, and I was so nostalgic for a jambon beurre that I actually grabbed him and his bag and his little like pack of samples and made him come with me to the booth at Hack Summit of Willie Croft which is the Dutch company that does plant-based cheese, but they had just debuted and, and were sampling their plant-based butter, which is also excellent. And they had little pieces of bread with butter. So I, I put the ham on the bread and butter and ate it. And I literally had a moment where I was just like, wow, this really feels like I'm eating a jambon beurre, but it's plant-based and like not killing any animals and delicious. Um, the product is impressive in its ingredient list. It's only seven ingredients and it's 90% pea protein, very few other ingredients, including something like radish juice and a little bit of soy. Um, so it's it's got that going for it. And so it's just launched. It's like a week old. They announced it in this big event um, that, in, that was also where they announced a crowdfunding round, which went ballistic. And the founder told me, two days after they went live, they already were at 300% of their goal. So they were trying to figure out like, do we increase our fundraising limit or lower the ticket size? Cause they didn't want the fundraising, the crowdfunding part of their of their round to be too big. Cause they also, the founder also told me exclusively that 
over the summer they closed a round that they're going to announce soon. And it's, it's a pretty significant round, but they haven't announced the amount or who. And um, yeah, so, so for me, um, in a country that really prioritizes its ham, and as you know, is a beacon of gastronomy all around the world, um, it's, I think, a pretty big win um, for the movement. And to be honest, in a sea of very mediocre products with a lot of things, um, this was truly very good. And, and I made a lot of people taste it at Hack because I was so excited. And I mean, at one point, a founder of another company, a big precision fermentation company, he started jumping up and down because it was so good. Um, so, I mean, I'm not hyping it. it it's very good. Um, That's amazing. I mean, so, I think yeah. if you're saying that, that's very telling because like, I like obviously I joke that you get to try so many things and secret and all that, but you, I mean, you have had just as many alt protein products out there as probably anyone. So for you to feel so excited and passionate about this, I, it's, it's telling. And I can tell you, I've had those moments that you seem to have had with, with this product only a handful of times Absolutely. over the years. And, and when it happens, you're just like, oh my, it, it like brings this massive level of joy because you don't feel like you're compromising. It's just like, wow, yeah, I, I'm a believer. So and, if, and it if, feels like, wow, like the innovation really can happen. And mm -hmm. it also, for me, when I tasted that, it was like, okay, we can actually have a higher bar here. Yeah, which I think is important too. Like to remember, like, I think maybe we've, we've gotten okay with things that aren't perfect or they aren't great or they're, they're okay, but um, we should pushing for, for perfection. And I think that there's also, um, maybe this was by, by design, but I, I think going after a, a deli ham product was smart for La Vie just because I don't think anyone in the world, maybe some, but I don't think most people in the world think of, um, of processed deli products as, as healthy for them. So I think there's a lot of people out there that are, our consumers are saying they want that they, they want the best of both worlds. They want it to be plant-based and healthy, but they want it to taste like the real thing. And that's really hard to do. But when you're trying to display something that is known to be not that great for your health, it makes it easier for the consumer. Uh, Absolutely. Like well, well pointed out. One of the things we wrote in the article and it, it, we immediately had people writing to us about this when we shared it is, does it have nitrites? And like, of course it does not. And, you know, out of all the different meats, nitrites have been called out by the World Health Organization as, you know, cancer causing. Mm -hmm. um, but yet deli meats are so ubiquitous and so convenient and I mean, sandwiches rule our life, like our school lunches or work brown bags. And, you know, this, this is truly, we, we need more options. And I mean, I've tried a lot of other deli meats to, to me, European ham doesn't really fit into that because it's not really the same as the deli meats in the U S but um, it's, the, yeah, it's, it was really good. And the other thing I, I want to say on an animal welfare point of view, which I don't think most people outside of France would be aware of is that if you really want to talk about having an impact on animal welfare within the country, um, beef and chicken in France are usually not the biggest culprits about, of, of bad animal welfare relatively speaking, the beef industry and the chicken industry, and again, relatively speaking, 
are much less industrial and much less intense CAFO based than you would find in the US. But shockingly, the pork industry is a disaster in France. So, I mean, and most a, people don't win know there that. then with such a good alternative. Um, yeah. And 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 then just me always thinking from an investor standpoint, um, I, it did actually stand out to me that they had such a successful crowdfunding campaign, right? I, I can just tell you very point blank when an investor, an early stage investor sees that a company is raising money through crowdfunding, there's a little bit of you that thinks that company's struggling. Like this is, that's me their too. last- Me too. I, yeah. I, I straight up asked him, I was like, why, if you just raised around, do you need the crowdfunding? Like why bother? It's also a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And, and I think that there's, what I'm noticing is that a very few, a very, like a very small handful of companies have been able to use crowdfunding to the benefit of, of, of building a true relationship with, with consumers. And I think of, uh, like Hira out of out of Spain, I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but I know they've raised a lot on uh, through crowdfunding. Yeah, this as well. Notably, all the ones that have these like big cheeky campaigns and these very dedicated consumer fan bases, which is what the founder told me. He said mm -hmm. we really wanted to give our supporters a chance to be involved in the journey. That's it. It wasn't for the money necessarily. Hmm. Well, but I mean, raising three million dollars just for the to be a part of the journey is pretty awesome for, for La Vie. So I well, mean, yeah, but I'm interested, like, do you, do you discount, like, would you prefer a cap table without crowdfunding? Um, I think it depends. I, I, I really think it depends on like, like the, the terms of it. Like, was this, was this equity crowdfunding? Like they were selling equity of the mm -hmm. company. It is equity crowdfunding. In fact, he was very specific on the phone. He told me that they gave, the retail investors the exact same terms as the VC investors that they closed over the summer. I mean, I think that's fair to the retail investors, right? Because sure. they already don't know what they're getting themselves into with an early stage investment to begin with, which I don't love. Right. Um, but at least they're not giving them even worse terms because they could probably get that from retail investors. Sure. Uh, it depends. I mean, for me, it depends on how much equity they're giving up because this is going to be dead equity in essence. And what I mean by that is like, if they sold 20% of the company, which obviously they're not doing that, but if they sold a very large percentage of the company to retail investors, those retail investors aren't doing anything to support the company other than just buying products, right? Which they would probably do anyway. anyway. They're not helping with strategic relationships. They're not helping with fundraising, um, like, like helping with bigger rounds. They're not helping with operations, advisory work, et cetera. Um, so versus a, a, a strong cap table of investors and strategic investors can actually help guide the company, take board seats, really push the company forward. So as long as it's not a, a meaningful percentage of the cap table, I, I think that's fine. And it shows um, grit and resiliency and, and that's, that's good. But if it's meaning a meaningful percentage, I, I would start to get a little concerned. Super interesting. Always good to have that investor insight because I, I do wonder about the crowdfunding question, but it certainly seems like it brings a lot of goodwill. And it seems like Definitely. from a marketing point of view, it can be very interesting. Just to be clear, I don't know that they've raised it. They raised their, their cap to 3 million. Um, I think they're still figuring it out. 
he told me they were either going to keep the cap at 1 million and and basically uh lower the ticket size or like like max out the ticket size or go up to three or a combination of both so remains to be seen but certainly they have no shortage of supporters and it's interesting um what else stood out to you this week this week i i almost didn't want to bring it up because it's not really a positive thing but it's about eat just and the cultivated meat divisions of good meat um and there's talks out there and there's reports out there saying that they're not paying invoices for the bioreactor company that is helping build these massive bioreactors that they're working on it's unclear to me if if it's if the 30 million dollars worth of invoices that they're not paying is for the really large 250,000 liter bioreactors or if it's the 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 ones that are, are i guess helping them scale up to that point but either way the the engineering company ABEC they're not um they are not a new player. They're not a small company that's not been around the block. I've heard about them before. I've seen them before. They they know what they're doing. And to for good meat to decide to work with a company like that and then create such a large scale project with high dollar amounts and then not pay their invoices. I don't know what the plan is there. Right? Like what's what's the end game there? There's no really backing out of that. Um and then also I was seeing numbers in there that were kind of kind of shocking that ABEC, they were saying that this was just the start of the project. And ultimately, if they wanted to complete the full extent of the project scope, it could be upwards of 500 million to a billion dollars just for the bioreactor. That is a scary number to see because I haven't seen anything change in the marketplace in, in the past couple of years that say that that's going to be able to be raised with non-dilutive capital. And so did Good Meat think that they were going to be raising $500 million to a $1 billion of, of equity to pay for bioreactors? Um, I don't know. But either way, these numbers are coming to light because they're not paying their bills. And uh, that seems like a, a poor business strategy, to put it lightly. Yeah. And just to, um, just to give credit to original reporting, because I'm very sensitive about that, the first person to mention this, the first lawsuit, so the ABEC lawsuit, which is the much bigger one, the 30 million and plus, it that was broken in the original Bloomberg story about the Eat Just funding round of 16 million. Mm. Um, and then AgFunder picked up on it. And then AgFunder did a second story um, late last week about the second lawsuit, which is by um, CRB engineers and CRB builders, which is about the design, engineering, and procurement services, I think, around probably the bioreactors versus with ABEC, it's more like that's their partner of actually the facility building and, and running. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that, that that's uh, it's good to call out. And I I, I just think like, what's the plan here? Yeah, like, there's, what's the plan? Like, I mean, it says what's the I mean, response from from the from the company from Good Meat. I mean, you well, they've said that they're working response. to resolve it amicably. Um, there has not been much directly stated from the company um, about it. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, there's I been no like release it. or statement. It's just in one of the ad funder articles. They they said that just he just told them that they were working to raise it 
but actually both parties said they were working to settle it amicably. So. And that's great. And I hope that they do. Um, it just seems like a blatantly obvious no, no, <laughs> you don't not pay your bills, but you definitely don't not pay your bills when they are for the biggest headline thing that you're working on right now, which is building larger bioreactors to scale Absolutely. up. Obviously it's not an ideal headline. Yeah. But I will do a little shout out because just today, the first episode of my other podcast, who am I? I have two podcasts now. I mean, I don't even know who I am, but I'm (laughs) doing a limited series podcast called Green Queen in Conversation. And the first season is a six episode delve into cultivated meat. And my plan was really to talk to the OG founders in the space. And my first interview is with Josh from Good Meat. And it's a fantastic conversation. And um, I think the the goal for me with this podcast was that I realized that so many people around me um, were actually just not very clear about what cultivated meat was and that it's just very murky for people and that it's mired in so much um, opacity and misinformation. And the media, I don't think, does a great job of explaining what it is. And so I thought, I'm going to tell the stories of these six people that have been working on this for close to a decade and have really just pioneered this and explain from their point of view in their own words, what are they doing? And th- this podcast is really aimed at people outside of the industry, your mom, your cousin, your work colleague, who are curious about the future of food and who care about the climate crisis and who are interested to learn more about the solutions, but they they don't know where to start. And I think six inspirational people who've actually put in the years is where you should start. No, I love that. I can't I can't wait to 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 give it a listen. I've been waiting for it to to come out. So I can't I can't wait. But um, obviously Steve my true, my true podcast love is you. <laughs> no, is I don't know. You're you're moving on. What's happening? <laughs> but, but um, but separately this this week for you, I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna give that 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 podcast a, a listen, and I think everybody Thank should. Thank you. Sorry, so, shameless shout out. I mean, I have good. to. My producer would be mad otherwise. You should do it. I love it. Um, but what about this week for you? What in what in the newsletter? So there was a lot this week. It was really packed and there's some great kind of new product launches and all that, but actually something that was really close to my heart, because as you know, my favorite topic is, you know, behavioral and cultural shift, um, in, in terms of diet and climate. Um, there are some great new research that came out from, uh, the better foods foundation and sentient media who are just killing it with some fantastic studies. And they basically did a study of eight mainstream media outlets, four in the US, four in the UK. And these are mainstream media outlets that are specifically committed to science-backed strong climate coverage. So the point is in their newsrooms, they constantly and consistently properly report on the climate crisis. So there is an awareness of the climate crisis and how serious it is. And yet, all of these eight outlets, when you look at their recipe sections, and these are big outlets, we're talking about The Guardian, the BBC, ITV in the UK, we're talking about The New York Times, though, um, we're talking about, um, uh, what's wrong with me? Um, 
I'm sorry, I'm having a mind blank, but um, uh, the Washington Post, we're talking about some of the biggest news outlets in the world, right? Who are aware of how important climate crisis reporting is. The recipe sections are still dominated by meat. Recipes. And for me, there's just so much to take away from this. One, as we talk about constantly on Green Queen and I do with you, the connection between solving the food system and fighting the climate crisis is still not there, not crystallized for people. Um, two, we are not making plant-based normalized or reducing meat normalized. We are still culturally surrounded by eating meat as the norm. And so how do we how do we get to our goal where we we need to move a lot of the world towards a more plant-rich diet? If everything around us, touch points, menus, recipe sites are just reminding us that meat is the center of the plate. Yeah, I mean that's such a good thing to call out and talk about an opportunity for just a an, an, a gentle nudge in the right direction if if all of these news organizations didn't even say anything but they just started shifting the proportion of recipes from heavy meat to more plant-based diets and they could be have all meat products and then they could be whole food plant-based it doesn't matter but just if they started shifting that quietly it would probably lead to a lot of people trying recipes that just don't have meat in it and it, people wouldn't be up in arms or anything and it would be consistent with the other reporting that they do so I, I'm curious to see if this report coming out makes them take a step back and look at what they're doing. Cause the reality is these news organizations are probably pretty siloed. They probably have a team that does all the climate stuff and writes about that. And then they probably have a totally separate team that might be in a different building that's working on the recipe section and they might not talk to each other. Um, so maybe that will kind of start a dialogue a little bit. Maybe I hope so. I mean, we need these studies to 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 nudge us to to move and to remind us in the media that we have a responsibility. Definitely, definitely. So what's the positive, positive of the week? Yeah, yeah, the positive of the week. So um COP28. COP28, which is upcoming, it said the made headlines when they announced that they are finally going to serve a mostly plant-based food offering at the conference um, and they'll also see uh, food policy announcements and a food for climate pavilion so I, the, the reason obviously that's really that's really good to hear the reason that, that it's it's such a positive in my mind is because I think that the the the, the these these cop uh, conferences uh, these are kind of seen as like the the guy, the the guiding light, the north star for what people should be doing to to push us in a better direction for the climate. And there's they they basically just been ignoring food for such a long time, and to be even serving animal based products at the quantities that they were doing it is kind of just like a slap in the face to everything that they're working on. So um, to finally shift to a mostly plant based diet, I think is exactly what needs to happen, um, and it will be a, a really good. Uh, indicator for everyone else that uh, this is something that should be taken seriously. So I'm very, very happy to to see that. Yeah, and it echoes what we just talked about before: the importance of 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 representation of the food system change as a major part of fighting the climate crisis in every 
avenue, whether it's COP28. And I mean, just the fact that there were cops where food wasn't even part of the agenda, let alone that they were serving steak and farmed fish. I mean, no, this is, we we need to be beyond that. And we need to be thoughtful and um, clear and representative in our choices, whether it's a recipe media editor or a COP28 agenda planner or any other sustainability conference um, organizer. We need to be you know, clear that food is right up there. Food system change is right up there with transport and energy. Yep, it's, it's, gotta, it's gotta have just as equal a seat at the table. So um, this is definitely a good thing. All right. Well, that's the show. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. And please don't forget to um, please uh, subscribe. We're now available on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify Podcasts. If you subscribe, you'll hear all our new episodes as soon as they drop. And um, we look forward to hearing back from you. We've been getting some exciting feedback. I think, Steve, you got some nice um some nice comments when you were at Flambase World Expo, which is super exciting. I've also yeah, been- I, I had really some nice... people tell me that they that they listen multiple times to the same episode to really hear what we said, which is which is awesome. I love that. Um, but I want all the feedback. Give me give me everything, the good, bad. Yeah, we want to hear how can we make it better. We're we're tossing around the idea of adding interviews, so we'll we'll work on that. Um, we have so many great people that we can bring on to hear their their insights. Um, yeah. So just don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and stay in touch and see you next week.